it's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. Hey, Pete. So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, preparing for your internal audit. Um, so I'm just going to ask you a couple questions uh, and, uh, you know, see what uh, the IHSA recommends uh, that everyone does to prepare for doing their own internal audit. Sound good? Yeah, very good. Very good. All right. Sounds good. Okay. So um, what would you say that the first thing that an organization should do um, in preparing for their first internal audit? Well, first thing to make a sh- uh, make sure you have is you have to have your health and safety management system, your, your health and safety program. Th- this should be in place and it should be implemented over a year's time mm-hmm. uh, at a minimum, right? Because it's when we're looking at core, core is about verifying that you have a program that meets our requirements, but then it also, the implementation of that program. So you want to make it, you got to make sure that the, you have this in place for a year prior to get uh, prior to getting started in core, um, and and keep in mind, yeah, it is about that uh, validation that it's been fully implemented in the field. Right, right, yeah. I know in some of the audits, or sometimes I get you know an organization who submitted an audit and they would say, oh, you know, we only just put together our um, health and safety management program, you know, six months ago, and you know, we're just trying to make this work kind of thing to get core certified, but that's not really the intent, that that's not the intent of the core certification, right? It's to, um, you know, recognize the health and safety excellence um, of your program, right? Absolutely. And, it, you know, I appreciate that those companies are getting started and sure. uh, it's a definitely the right step to get that program in place and mm-hmm. start uh, setting goals. Because a lot of, com- prior to core, a lot of companies didn't think about that, of setting goals for their health and safety program and where they want to be in a year's time or two years time. Right. So by putting those things together or putting it in place, great start point. We just need to have a bit of history for, for uh, to be able to audit that because really this does this does boil down to an auditing program to ver- verify that that uh, health and safety management system is in place and has been fully implemented. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, um, so what are some of the resources that the IHSA provides in order to help people properly prepare for their audit? Well, first off, there's training programs. Mm-hmm. So. It, the organization, when they get started in core, they're going to have to uh, determine who is going to be their senior management representative and their internal auditor. Each of them have some training requirements. The The senior management representative has to take one training program, uh, core essentials, and then the internal auditor has to take four training programs, uh, including core essentials, mm-hmm. but then they also have to go on to basic auditing principles, core inter- uh, um, and that touches on just like auditing in general. Mm-hmm. There's core internal auditor, which really gets into uh, covering the use of our audit tool. Right. And then there's the introduction to hazard and risk management. And this is about uh, hazard assessment. You know, we saw the industry struggling with uh, that element of core. So we, we decided to put a, another program in place for that, just to, just to help them along. Yeah, that's definitely a, a hefty top, topic. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> okay. And uh, what other kind of resources? Um, so we've got the audit instructions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the, these will guide you. So you, we teach you how to use the audit tool and the resources through the training programs, but you have these things to take home with you as well. And one of them is the audit instructions. So this is one that walks you through how to complete the internal audit. Uh, it really provides that guidance. You know, you're not going to remember everything from the training program, but at least you, you're going to remember where the, the resources are and where to find that information afterwards as well. Right. Um, 
We also have core conferences. We run these twice a year, one in the spring, one in the fall, and we focus on different topics relating to core in each. Uh, we do have these coming up at the end of uh, uh, April. Um, so hey, <laughs> I'd like to see everyone get on our website or as you're looking into the future with these, is uh, just keep following our, our website with the news and events and mm -hmm. you, you'll see when we have our next conference available. Uh, we have core consulting, so this is uh, some folks from our operations department will come out and work directly with companies who are trying to put together their program for core, or they might have done a internal audit and realize they have some gaps before they can move ahead to the uh, to be successful with core. Right. So they they choose to work with us in those cases, then, right? Yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, you know, we have a uh, now we have these podcasts. Uh, you know, another great resource to kind of walk people through it. You know what I mean? Uh, things are moving along to the uh, digital age and people want to get the information this way. So great way to reach out to people. Yeah, with the with the podcast idea, I think it was, um, yes, of course, digital age, great. Um, but uh, it was just, I guess, like a, you know, it's a supplementary resource. Um, so that people, you know, people learn in different ways. Some people are really good with, you know, reading and deciphering uh, what they should do. And other people are more auditory learners. So it's just providing a different, um, a different resource. Uh, and hopefully that we can reach people and, and help them uh, be more successful in their audit submissions and, uh, you know, make it a little bit easier for people to uh, uh, achieve their, their core certification, right? Absolutely. Uh, like we want these companies to be successful. 100%. Um, yeah. And so the, the more we can offer them, the better. Yeah. Um, last but not least, we also have the core handbook. Mm -hmm. So th this is the, this is a document that, that provides a lot of instruction on a step-by-step question-by-question basis for the entire core audit mm -hmm. on what to submit when you're submitting your internal audit. So this is a key resource. Our auditors use it when they're reviewing audits. Uh, it should be the resource that is heavily relied on by any internal auditor preparing their core internal audit. Yeah. I know even for myself, uh, if I um, am working through an audit question and maybe there's been a lot of documents submitted for that one question and I get a little bit, uh, okay, hold on a second here. What am I looking for? <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I will refer back to the handbook and say, okay, three samples of this, da da da. Okay, perfect. And then, you know, it just helps me streamline a little bit because sometimes, you know, we get uh, maybe too many documents submitted and, <laughs> and just trying to bring myself back to uh, focus, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, great point. Great point. And, that, and that's the intent of these, right? Like it's, um, it, we have these companies that are submitting their, their internal audit for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, they've only been through our four training programs. It's, it's a big subject to take on. For sure. And then following that, they're only most likely doing an audit once a year afterwards. So mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult to remember all those things from a training program you've taken months or even years ago. Yeah. So those uh, those documents and resources are, are key to use after the fact as well. Yeah, perfect. And and I, you know, with the podcast, um, you know, because with the handbook, you can go through, you know, question by question, line by line, you know, what are we expecting? And I was kind of, you know, thinking that with the podcast as well, people can listen to, okay, I'm working on element one right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit down, listen to the element one podcast and really, you know, digest the information mm -hmm. um, and then and work on that element and get through it. Right. Um, and just take it chunk by chunk. Right. Like you can't tackle the whole audit <laughs> one go. Right. So. Yep. 
Well, and I picture that's how the internal auditors are doing it anyways. Yeah. Like in my mind, it's always like uh, they've got their regular job that they're working on mm-hmm. as well. And it's just this has been something that's been added on their plate and it could be a month's worth of time. So you, For sure. you, know, you, you will be breaking it up yep. and love the way you describe that there. The perfect approach, right? That's a fantastic way to go through the audit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, next question. Is there any critical advice that you could provide to a company who's just starting out? and considering applying for core? Oh, there's lots of advice. Um, you know, it's, uh, I guess if we couple key things to start with would be, you know, making sure you've got that health and safety program in place for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a good way to show the, the, be able to identify the trends and the gaps and deficiencies within the organization, but as well as the strengths, right? Because it's the, and it'll help you identify those areas of focus going forward. Um, you also want to make sure that you've got um, all 19 elements implemented, right? We've got a certain scoring criteria that we have within core where you've got um, to pass the audit and be successful with the audit. You need to score 80% overall, 65% on each element. And there are legislative questions that you have to be successful on each one of these. You need 100% on the legislative questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that idea about the scoring criteria, like we see companies that are um, submit their audit. And it might be a little bit early or they don't have, uh, they, they haven't implemented portions of it. Like let's say uh, element 12, statistics and records. Mm-hmm. This is a common one that we, uh, organizations don't feel like they've, they've uh, had their safety program in place long enough. So they don't feel like they should be, they don't have enough information to collect statistics on. Right. Um, but to be able to pass, you still need to have that 65% score on each core audit element. So it's, uh, they have to keep make sure they've got that in place, but as well as they have to address all 19 of the elements to some uh, some degree, yeah. right? Just to make sure they're going to be successful and able to move on to that external audit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I guess one other key that, um, and you just can't be successful at core without this, is senior management commitment, mm-hmm. right? You want to make sure that the, the senior management of the organization, the owners of the organization, uh, they need to be committed to health and safety and uh, to achieve core. Um, keys for them is to make sure that they're leading by example and demonstrate that health and safety is a priority. Right. Sorry, guys, I have to clear my throat here. So uh, how is is it that uh, senior management could uh, demonstrate their their commitment to the health and safety? One way to do this, and this is probably one of the most effective ways to do this, is to make sure they hold company-wide health and safety meetings. Right? And there's two benefits to this. This is a requirement in core. Mm-hmm. So to be, you know, to make sure that you're, you're going to be successful in core, you want to make sure you're doing this as well. Uh, but the reason this is part of core, because it's a very effective method to be able to get the, uh, the message out that safety is a priority to the entire organization. Right? So the idea here is you have uh, senior management ownership and they're, they're taking the uh, the employees out of the field for a day. They're not actually doing their production work or day, half day, whatever it is, but you're spending that time speaking to them about health and safety. And it helps get your message out about um, your health and safety goals and objectives within the organization. But it also, um, yeah, it does show that health and safety is a priority because it's not this uh, competing thing with production at that time, right? It's the it's not health and safety versus production. It's okay, <laughs> we're gonna take a stop from production and we're gonna focus on safety for today. 
and we're going to get back to production to make sure everything is uh, being done safely afterwards, right? So that's probably one of the key ways I would say is a great start point for senior management and ownership to really focus on that uh, making safety a priority or demonstrating that safety is a priority. Yeah, and I think that it definitely, you know, goes to the whole um, that safety can't be driven from a middle management position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it can't just be on the shoulders of the health and safety person in the company, um, whether that's a health and safety manager or health and safety coordinator or whoever. Um, it's, you're not going to get the full, um, how would I say it? You're not going to get the full impact um, in the safety, in the culture of your company if it's being driven from just a middle management position. It has to be top down. Um, there has to be that leadership from the owner um, and from, like you said, senior management in general um, who are making that a priority for you to have the, the success in health and safety long term. Absolutely. I fully agree, Stacey. The, those individuals that you mentioned are resource people. And key to the organization, but their resources to take that senior management and ownership vision and make that a reality. Yes. So that's the, yeah, that both were going to be working together for sure. So we touched on this a little bit um, a moment ago about, um, you know, if a company doesn't fully have their their program um, or doesn't have all of the elements, uh, the 19 elements uh, developed yet in in their program. So just going to touch on it again. so if if a company does not have something like statistics developed yet, um, is it still possible for them to submit a core audit and um, you know leave out statistics and just say, hey, we'll catch this next year? It, no, no. So it, it, we've got that scoring criteria, 80% overall, 65% per element, and 100% on legislative questions. Um, each element is going to require that at minimum of 65% score. So they, they, they do have to address it in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, yeah, they, to, to just completely omit it is not gonna be, they won't be successful with that. It's just, a, it really, at that point, it's an audit that we're gonna send back. Yeah. Because the, um, we need a full, robust program that's touching on all these elements for, that and been in place for a year before we're able to audit that. And when we receive submissions like that, audit submissions, uh, we'll review it in order to get pre-assessed. And that'll be something that'll be just uh, sent back to the organization because it's incomplete yeah. and it's going to fail. So it's um, it, it's, it's certainly not the way to go. They, they're better off putting on putting in the time, making sure they've, got, they've addressed it somehow, and, and then move ahead to the submitting the internal audit. Right. Okay. Okay. So um, I want to delve in a little bit um, to... Um, you know, kind of the 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 phases of uh, the different phases of preparing for uh, your internal audit, um, and the IHSA um, in one of the resources that you mentioned earlier, the audit instructions. Uh, we've outlined the three different phases of the audit process. So we've outlined uh, phase one, preparing for the audit; phase two, performing the audit; and phase three, summarizing the audit. So this is a process I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about today and see if you can kind of walk us through each phase and, um, you know, what is uh, kind of important to focus on in those phases. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, so first off, preparing for the audit. Uh, I, I would say this starts with the training, right? So first and foremost, you got to make sure that that internal auditor uh, should have taken the required training before attempting to complete the internal audit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really is that basic understanding of 
how to do an audit, how to use our audit tool. That, that's really what we're covering in the training. It'll also walk you through um, audit scoring, our different verification methods, which are uh, documentation, things are obs uh, uh, verified with uh, observation and things are verified by interview. So they, they got to have an understanding of the, the different verification techniques as well. Uh, it'll get into how to complete the audit tool, which includes the uh, identifying which questions are legislative questions. It'll get into the requirements for completing the auditor's notes. Right, so those are all key parts of uh, key information that's going to be picked up during the training programs. Right. Uh, there's also the pre-audit checklist. So in our core audit instructions document, there is a list, uh, a pre-audit checklist. And this is going to give you an idea of some of the important items that uh, need to be considered before completing an audit. Um, yeah, it'll lead you to some of the items to uh, consider in your preparation on uh, conducting interviews, but also where to find documentation and evidence and things along those lines. Yeah, the checklist is pretty comprehensive and it gives you, you know, not everything might be applicable to you, but at least it gives you a trigger to, you know, something that you can consider. A great way to put it. Yeah, exactly. It's the, again, with that limited experience of these auditors, mm -hmm. uh, any of those tools that they have that are going to walk them through the process are going to be uh, beneficial and they should take advantage of all of them, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so some other things to consider when you're preparing for the audit is you, you want to make sure senior management of the or, or ownership of the company is letting everyone know about the audit. Yeah. Um, because first off, you're going to need cooperation from everybody, mm -hmm. right? It, the the auditor is going to be conducting interviews. You're going to be doing observations. You're going to be interacting with some of the, the other employees. Um, you want to make sure that everyone's been made aware that this is a priority and they should be cooperating with you, with you for this. Not that they wouldn't anyways, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's just that uh, that extra nudge from senior management does help along with that. Well, we're like we were talking about before that the um, you know, top down mm -hmm. leadership. Right. So you want to start with the senior management and they should really be addressing the situation. Hey, guys, this is the direction that our their company is going and this is our goal and what we're working on. And, you know. Mm -hmm. That communication piece, right? Absolutely, absolutely, and it's a um, yeah uh, that that focus on the goal too. That this is a, a organizational priority yeah. to, to work towards core for sure. That's got to be part of that communication. Mm -hmm. um, preparing should also can uh, include uh, things like your interviews, right? Your interviews are a big part of the core audit. Um, there's got to be some planning that goes into this, right? Where are those interviews going to be conducted? Right. Have you got a suitable location? And, you know, at the head office, there's probably a boardroom, something easy, uh, some way to make sure that you can get that done. Um, but then we, we go out into the field, right? Because most of the, the firms that are uh, certified to core or going through the core process or construction companies, uh, their field operations don't always lend themselves to a, a great interview location. Yeah. Right? So is this going to be done in an office trailer or is, uh, how is this going to be accomplished when you're on site? And even just talking on the point of interviews, um, just from my personal experience, because I used to be an internal auditor, mm. <laughs> um, you know, preparing your staff for those interviews, you know, not just where's the location, stuff like that, but giving them the tools and resources and the information that they need to know, you know, most of the stuff, you know, obviously they should be already trained on a lot of it. Um, but, you know, refreshing their memories, um, you know, maybe sometimes when you're asking the questions in the interview, um, 
the interview tool, uh, maybe people don't understand it exactly. So just kind of, um, you know, giving, preparing them, training them, right? Um, sometimes it's not as effective just to go out there and just start conducting your interviews uh, <laughs> randomly. Yeah. Um, you want to make sure that you've, you've prepped your staff and that they know what to, what to expect, right? I fully agreed, right? It's a, it, there's no harm in preparing your your employees or the staff to get ready for the interviews. Um, it, there's going to be things they remember from previous training, but mm -hmm. oh, a refresher never hurts. And if you're doing that prior to the interviews, great. Mm -hmm. um, and when I'm coming out to do an audit, I, I've done several external audits for IHSA. I, I'm expecting the company to put their best foot forward, and yeah. I, I really want them to spend that time with the employees to make sure that they uh, can properly represent the organization during the interviews. Absolutely. Um, so the the largest part, so we've got our three verification techniques, and that's observations, interviews, documentation review. Documentation review probably makes up the bulk of the core audit. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so this is going to be key to know, um, get all the ins and outs of your organization on where you're going to find this information. Uh, first off, is it paper-based or is it electronic? Um, if it's paper-based, is it all kept in one central location or is there multiple locations where you're going to find this documentation? Mm -hmm. Are there keepers of the documentation, people you need to reach out to, to be able to get access to it? So it's, uh, uh, there, there's a bit of prep work there just to get, figure out the ins and outs of your organization and where you're going to find this info. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we get then to the observations. Now it, we, there are... Uh, a certain number of uh, workplace observations you have to see, uh, conduct. Mm -hmm. And, you know, depending on the company, depending on the organization, maybe it's all based around the town you're in, maybe you're based right across Ontario. So there, there could be things like uh, uh, travel arrangements that you have to put in place, right? Flights, rental cars, hotels, these are all things that uh, need to be considered. Uh, what, kind of when you're setting up your plan on how you're gonna move, uh, move your way through the, conducting these observations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess one last thing to consider in the preparation though as well is uh, training and orientations. So as an internal auditor, uh, do you have different training requirements as you go from site to site to go visit uh, to conduct your uh, observations? Or are there uh, certain orientations uh, sessions that you have to go through as you go from site to site, right? Yeah. Uh, um, th th this can change depending on who your client is or who you're doing work for or constructor that you're working for. They, they may all have different requirements for training and orientations. And it's something to just make sure you have all these things pre-planned so that you you don't run into hiccups when you're actually uh, trying to conduct those observations. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you go to a site and you haven't, you know, considered the fact that the uh, maybe the GC has a two hour orientation that needs to happen first, right? That's uh, timing that uh, wasn't considered for. So it's definitely something that you need to include in your plans. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Um, so that would uh, kind of wrap up, I think, um, phase one, preparing for the audit. Mm -hmm. We can move into phase two, performing the audit. Um, if you wanna just walk us through your suggestions for, for phase two. Okay, sure, sure. So. Like I said, three main ways that we we verify or go through the audit process, and that's documentation, observation, and interviews. Now, the the, the documentation is really split up into two parts. There's documents and then there's records. Mm -hmm. Documents are, consider your health and safety program. And this is the, the document that gives you direction on what you should do, whereas um, records are verification that you have completed it. 
Um, another example might be a document could be a uh, blank inspection checklist, where yeah. whereas a record is a completed inspection checklist. So they, and to, to validate that you have done this, that you've implemented it. Um, so with that said, now the the documents we're looking at, we call it document review, but it's really made up of a collection of documents and records, right? First, we want to core is very much based on the idea that say what you're going to do and then do what you said you were going to do. Um, say what you're going to do is the the health and safety manual, the program itself, giving that direction on what has to be done, and then you you're going to have the verification that you you have done what you said you were going to do. Right. And then one of the key principles as well with the document review or when you're sending in the documents with your internal audit submission is to make sure there's three samples of evidence for those documented questions. And again, if it's a procedure, you're only going to have one sample because that's the, the procedure itself to answer that question. But if you're into something like um, inspection records or you've got your joint health and safety committee meetings, mm-hmm. um, there, there's going to be a frequency. And these are things that are recurring. Uh, the inspections could be something that's done uh, weekly or monthly, depending on your organization. Yeah. Uh, you want to make sure that you're submitting three consecutive samples of these things to show you're, you're doing it as, as those uh, prescribed times, that you're meeting those prescribed timelines. One of the examples I can think of um, in terms of where people get kind of confused between the documents versus records is uh, in uh, element eight, when we're talking about orientations, mm-hmm. um, and often uh, times um, internal auditors will submit, uh, if we're asking for records uh, or samples of their um, the orientation records, then they might just submit a blank document showing, hey, here, this is what we use for our um, orientations which is great. However, if the question is asking for the records and the, and the samples, right, um, then we want to be able to see uh, three completed, right, like filled in actual records uh, of the of the documents. It, it, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we need to get down to that, uh, that implementation piece just yeah, to make sure. Yeah, are you doing it? That, That's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Okay, and so uh, so we talk about so we talked about documents, and then um, what about um, some interviews? So the the interviews is um, you know it, it's something you work on over time, and you get more comfortable with this idea of performing the interviews, right? Mm-hmm. So um, peppered throughout the audit tool, you're going to have certain questions that are uh, or audit questions that are supported with an interview question, and there are specific questions that are going to be asked for this, right? And some are geared towards management and some are geared towards workers. And you're, so you've already identified within the organization who are the worker interviews, who are the management interviews, and you're going to ask them the, the relevant questions that, that are applicable to them. Uh, but what we want you to do is what, when you're going through the interviews, first we want you to start with the set question that we have, uh, have in place. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and, and sometimes the... You know, it's written in that audit language and sometimes they're a little awkward. So you might be in that position where you have to paraphrase and make that clear to the, uh, the, the interviewee on what you're, you're asking for there. But the expectation is that you're starting with the, the actual interview question that we have set out for you. Um, beyond that, if the understanding is not there, it's just making sure you can paraphrase and um, uh, kind of try and make it clearer for what the, um, uh, for the interviewee at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, even before you get to that point, though, too, you want you want to make sure that you're putting the interviewee at ease. So this is something where, to be perfectly honest, you're you're interviewing all these employees. 
they probably don't want to be there, right? They, they, audit's not their idea of a good time. They, uh, it, it's a company requirement, so they're going to go through with it. But yeah. it's, um, you know, so you 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 want to take away from their nervousness, right? Because you want you want to get to them being able to provide those open and honest answers and really speak to the organization and what they're seeing out there, right? So. Yeah. Key is putting them at ease. And you, I know you've got your eyes on the clock and there's a certain amount of time that you're going to be spending with each individual. Um, but take a couple minutes. It's definitely an investment in the quality of the interview you're going to get afterwards is taking a couple minutes to uh, put them at ease to make sure that they're, uh, uh, they, they can provide those open, honest answers for you. Yeah. And, you know, I think that even in, uh, you know, part of your preparation, uh, when you're letting everybody know that you know you're coming out to do the interviews and stuff like that maybe even prefacing the whole thing by sending out an email or some sort of communication just to let everybody know that um, I don't know like yeah like you said to put people at ease um, and that you know it's not about you know obviously we want them to have the right answer however um, a lot of times when you're doing these interviews it can actually show you where the gaps in in your system are right so maybe People, uh, like a lot of people don't answer a certain question properly. Well, that's a little bit of, uh, that shows to me that there's some training needed there, right? So uh, just because they didn't get the, the question right doesn't mean that it's, um, you know, not valuable. It's still valuable. It's valuable information for you as internal auditor, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I would say that's even more valuable. Like the, the, the purpose of core is about continual improvement, mm -hmm. right? It's to set a benchmark so you understand that from a health and safety perspective, we're here. And sure, CORE's got a scoring criteria, but that, that's a way to easily identify where the uh, your current level of health and safety performance is. Um, it also gives you something to shoot for, right? So it, when you get that information where you're identifying gaps, that's valuable towards that continual improvement for the long term. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so last part of this that we haven't touched on yet is the observations. Mm -hmm. And... So again, you're going to be visiting the different uh, workplaces, and you got to make sure it's representative of uh, all the operations within the company, uh, within the organization. Um, you know, like I just say, we're core certified, and we've got um, you know, we got a head office, we've got a, a mail room, kind of a warehouse area. Uh, we we do hands-on training and different types of hands-on training in different work locations. And each of those present risk, right? Mm -hmm. So it's we want to make sure that we, even during our audits, that we're seeing something that's representative. So head office is going to be visited, mail room is going to be uh, visited, uh, where we do some of that hands-on training, right? Or whether it's for our um, uh, power line apprentices over at our skills development center in Mississauga, uh, that's a location we'd probably want to visit. The where we do swing stage training for yeah. um, uh, for construction trades and uh, window washers. Now it's another high risk area and it's uh, representative of our work, but kind of key to one location. We want to make sure we include that in the audit as well. Organizations conducting their own internal audits should be thinking the same, right? How do we capture all the different operations that we perform or a sampling of those operations just to make sure that the audit is representative of uh, all the organization's activities? For sure. Um, I mean, there's, let's say we're talking about uh, a, an ICI GC doing interior work you know we're going to be looking at a, you should be looking at a sampling of your different uh job sites right um the biggest one 
and possibly the smallest one, right? Like, <laughs> it, it's not all about um, doing the, you know, the three biggest uh, job sites. You know, you do a big job site, a medium job site, and maybe you're working on a couple washrooms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you want to go and visit one of those too, because we want to make sure that the, the standards are being upheld across all of your work locations. For sure, for sure. Yeah, great point. The size definitely fits into that as mm-hmm. well when you're considering that uh, representative work. For sure. Okay. Um, and I think we already touched on some of the observation stuff about, uh, you know, travel arrangements and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I think we can, uh, move into phase three now. What do you think? Sure. Okay. Sure. Absolutely. So last but not least, the phase three of, uh, the audit would be summarizing the audit. Um, uh, so you prepared for your audit, conducted your audit. Now you've got the 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 end result of this is how you summarize that and that's key information because this is where you really kick off that continual improvement process um i would say the start point here is summarizing your findings for senior management so this is a the core core and a core audit is all a senior management and it's the the ownership it's their objective to attain this so they, they should they should be able to be they, they should want to receive detailed information on uh, the results of the audit and how they fared and kind of how they're they're doing on their health and safety performance. Right. So there's going to be a summary of that, of those findings for senior management. Um, this should include strengths as well as the uh, gaps in the program as well, right? So uh, any company going through core has put in a lot of work to get there to that point, right? So, um, you know, the score is not always representative of all the work that they put into it. And there's certainly uh, strengths that these organizations are going to have. So, you want to make sure you focus on some of those strengths in the reporting. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the key to move to that towards that continual improvement is going to be the gaps, right? Identifying those gaps as well. And then um, uh, working with senior management to prioritize those and uh, how to address them. Mm-hmm. Um, and as with any audit report, you know, there's going to be a, a detailed set of findings that kind of breaks down the audit um, question by question and, get, and gets into a lot of the detail, right? Um, but these should also have an executive summary. And this should speak to, um, again, strengths, should speak to weaknesses, overall scoring. And then if this can be boiled down to where there's a uh, uh, a few root issues that kind of lead to uh, deficiencies across the board, those are probably some of the ideas that you want to focus on with that executive summary. But just a way to break that down into a... Uh, a, a shorter document or shorter section of your summarized audit findings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's easily understandable for someone, who, uh, for senior management who may not have that uh, uh, same depth of knowledge with health and safety as that internal auditor. So would you say that this is something that would be valuable to, you know, uh, prepare the audit summary and have that as a, as a piece to speak to at your, um, your post audit meeting? Absolutely. Absolutely. And probably something you want to uh, share with senior management ahead of time, just so they can have a look at it and they can come back with some some questions or they're not going to be caught flat footed in that meeting. But yeah, definitely a great resource to use for that uh, post audit meeting. Okay. Okay, So you have the uh, summary audit report and um, do you want to touch a little bit on the corrective action plan? Absolutely. So following this, Right, they, they, you've identified strengths, you've identified weaknesses. Now it's time to to really focus on how you're gonna improve for the future. And this is the idea of putting together that corrective action plan. Um, key to this continual improvement process. Now, you've got your audit report, you've got your findings, 
and the the idea is to take those and prioritize them mm-hmm. right there there might be some that need to get addressed immediately to be able to move to get uh, uh to be successful with your core external audit to get your certification right there there might be an element where you're scoring less than 65 percent or some reasons or a few questions that are keeping you from getting to that 80 percent overall um, like if you realize that you don't have your statistics analyzed or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Great example. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So that that's something then you want to build into that continual improvement or that, that corrective action plan and um, uh, address those through there and uh, put those things in place to, to make sure you can be successful. Mm-hmm. So th- this is something you got to work on. Uh, senior management should be working on that with input from the internal auditor. I expect the internal auditor kind of bring that uh, in-depth safety knowledge where the the senior management people, they can assign resources and set timelines and may actually make this a priority within the organization. Right. Right. So they, it's key that you have both of those groups together. Um, but yeah, the, the idea then is to prioritize the things you're going to work on because um, of all the deficiencies that are there, we, we don't expect that all are going to be addressed at, uh, immediately. Right. It's about continual improvement and what you get involved in core, you're, you're going to be involved with this for years. Mm-hmm. And it's about that continual improvement on an ongoing basis. Right. We're not expecting perfection. Uh, we're expecting the we're hoping companies strive for that perfection, but we're not expecting that perfection on any single audit that we actually receive. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you want to make sure you're biting off pieces that are going to be doable. Right. So so pick enough items where you're going to be successful um, on your external audit. Choose some items that are going to help you excel and get better with your health and safety program as well. And then prioritize and focus your resources on achieving those, right? Mm-hmm. We rather you uh, do a few things well as opposed to take on too much and not do any of them well. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so before we uh, wrap up our discussion here, um, I just want to touch base a little bit on the submission, the actual submission of the internal audit. Uh, so prior to submitting the internal audit, what would you say is the last thing that each internal auditor or company should be completing before they submit? First off, um, make sure you've passed the audit. Unbelievably, we, we have these resources. We have the training programs. Uh, we do receive a lot of internal audits that are that have failed themselves, mm-hmm. right? And, and whether that's back to that um, our original discussion about the statistics and records or not, not addressing an element, that could be one reason, or it could be a legislative question because you you need to get 100% on all the legislative questions. It could be leaving one of these out or not scoring yourself successfully on it, right? So make sure the audit's passed before you submit it to us. Right. And just so, you know, just so I can slip this in here, because internally we have, uh, like you had mentioned before, a pre-assessment uh, process. So, you know, our pre-assessors will take a look at the audit and make sure that it has passed and make sure that all legislative questions have passed um, before they even assign it to an auditor, right? So like you said, there's some times when we receive audits and we, you know, they don't make it through the pre-assessment stage and they have to be sent back, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And it's the, those, the pre-assessors are making sure that before an auditor looks at it, they're making sure that it's been completed as per instructions, that Mm -hmm. it's, it's passed. Uh, that all the administrative documentation has been submitted along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But so those are all key to have there. And that's just to get to the point where you're going to have an auditor do the detailed review and actually speak to the quality of the evidence or give you feedback uh, on your actual health and safety program. Yeah. And that, that's the key part you want to get to is getting that that feedback from a, a knowledgeable, well-trained auditor. Mm-hmm. So it's the, you know, do yourself a favor, take the time, make sure that you're submitting those audits uh, and they've been completed as per the instructions as the uh, for core. And that'll help you a long way uh, with getting through this uh, with the least amount of frustration and uh, most efficiency to get that good information from the auditors. Okay. And um, making sure the audit tool is completed. And um, we also have a, the audit submission checklist, correct? Yeah, that's right. So that um, the audit submission checklist is is there just to to guide the internal auditors to to... The, the different documents and different uh, types of evidence and things that they have to submit with the audit itself as well. Right. So it's not just the audit tool. We've got an audit information form. There's a uh, post-audit meeting form, uh, pre-audit meeting form. It, it, there's a few things that have to be submitted with this. Mm-hmm. So those are all noted on that audit submission checklist. It's definitely a valuable resource for the internal auditor to get a copy of this and make sure they're um, submitting all the required documents as per that checklist. Right. So it's kind of the, all the admin, the admin part of the submission. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think we've had a pretty good discussion on um, preparing for the internal audit and I hope that it's a good resource for everybody out there who is uh, preparing to uh, do their internal audit. And uh, Pete, I just want to thank you for coming in today and uh, having this talk with me. Perfect. Thanks for having me in, Stacey. Enjoyed it. <laughs> Problem. Bye. Bye. The IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening. Each year, about 5,000 IHSA supervisor logbooks are ordered for supervisors across Ontario. Why is the logbook so popular? Because it was developed by the industry for the industry. That's what makes it unique. IHSA thanks the members of the Labor Management Network and Advisory Councils who contributed their knowledge, experience, and time to the preparation of this supervisor logbook. Contact IHSA at 1-800-263-5024. That's 1-800-263-5024. Or visit IHSA.ca. That's IHSA.ca.